0: Hey, welcome everybody to this week's podcast, number 45, 45 weeks of this, unreal, Um, we have the regulars here today, Dexter and Tim Wiseman, Adam Weber, and our special guest this week, 2006 Scottsdale champion, Brad Wilton, (laughs) owner of two Masters Golds, about time we get him on the podcast, he just upgraded to a new phone so he can do this.
1: Yeah, I figured you guys uh, asked me about 20 episodes ago, so I figured, you know, got a new phone now, might as well get on this thing.
0: (laughs) Well, we're glad you finally made it. 2006?
1: Uh, Yeah, 2006, Scottsdale. Yeah, the first year they ran that tournament. That's when you used to have to drink your beers in the lounge, so it was a lot. You couldn't drink as much because you had to keep running back and forth, so (laughs) probably why I won that one. (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's where all the poker was too
1: yeah that's right yeah i was playing that at the same time so that worked out yeah. for me because i was i played a lot of matches that day we went up both sides so it was quite a long day that's awesome i missed that tournament That
2: was a great that was tournament a good one when it was, that was when good. it was running well it was good yeah
1: Did, didn't you didn't beat joe karenabetter yeah actually i uh, lost to joe Cranabetter on the a side and then i played uh russell hunt on the b And then Kim Chadwick and then Joe Cranabetter in the final. I ended up beating them in the final. So it was like redemption. Win my first championship, so that was good.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Do you remember how many entries they had out for that first one?
1: Like, I want to say like 90, maybe 89, 90, something like that. Someone's got the stats somewhere. I know it was below 100 for sure, but it was like all big name players there. That was the good thing about it. Yeah. You know, you weren't playing against just all the locals. It was, like, big names, so that was good.
0: Well, anytime you could beat Joe back then on the lanes was a good day, so.
1: Yeah, and I was, like, when I lost to him the first time, I'm like, oh, hopefully I play that guy again. He's going to have no energy. And then we, I think we shot, like, <laughs> 8, 870 to 850 against each other. It was crazy. I remember starting every match with a five-bigger. Actually, that year I played uh, – I remember Jordan Shue, she was, like, 14. And uh, shout-out to him because when I played him, he, like, we, i start with five, he'd start with five. I'd start with seven, he'd start with seven. And all of a sudden, I had, like, 9.30 or something to his 9.10. And I took him aside after the match, and I said, kid, you're going to be good. Do not stop playing this sport. You're going to be a good player. You're going to win championships one day. And that's why I bought him a TPC this year, and I said, this guy's going to win. So we're going all, all in on this guy.
0: Once again, for our audience, Five Pin Universe doesn't uh, condone gambling, but... Uh... <laughs> If you want to hear the inside track, uh, this may be the guy you want to talk to. Or, or, or,
4: Mitch, or Mitch Davies. <laughs>
0: yeah. So um, our first topic, Brad, will be uh, couples life on tour. So you and Kelsey play quite a bit. Obviously, you're both very good at yeah. it making cuts here and there. And uh, with a, not a newborn but a young child, um, how how has it uh, affected your bowling?
1: Uh, it's definitely changed. Or like I used to play two leagues uh, regularly. Then I'd spare whenever I could, and I tried to play like every tournament there was. And when I, Kelsey and I got together, we started subbing off with their shift work. And then when Reed came along, it was. Now I'm like getting a babysitter every other Monday so I can just play league, but you got to play league so you can get the repetitions in to go play these big tournaments because it's hard to find practice time, right? Like we're in a family business and she's working shift work. So it's like, where do I go practice? Don't have time. So I got to play a league. So I'm getting a babysitter like every week, but we're making it work. Like we go out on tour and luckily there's four, you know, four shifts you can enter. And now there's five, right? And we just make sure we're playing opposite ones. So you know, we can sub off watching the kid, we can, I mean, it's getting, getting to the point where it's like, maybe we got to start leaving them behind, you know, like this year, Regina, like we got to drive out, you know, just to cut some costs, but in the same way, like we got a good roommate, we always share with Aaron, he's okay with it, so we haven't had to change the cost of rooms and stuff, but yeah, it definitely takes a toll on you, because you're thinking about what she's doing back at the hotel with the kid, if he's being, behaving, and then, the same thing with me. She's sending me messages while she's bowling. She's like, Oh, I'm struggling. How's the kid? I'm like, Hey, focus on your bowling. Don't worry about us. Well, yeah, we she has to make sure there. that
2: you're behaving too.
1: Yeah, she's going to make sure I'm still awake because sometimes that happens.
0: <laughs>
1: no, it's good. It's uh, we're, we're making it work. It, it is a struggle for sure. Uh, you definitely change your mindset. I remember when she was pregnant with Reed, we were in Regina for Masters. She was due like, the first week of august and we were at masters and i was sharing a room with brad glenn and his wife was due like a week before and we're all like all right who's gonna have a baby like are we gonna have to leave in the middle of this and i remember we came back after day three and we had just had the last games at golden mile there and he's like i'm pretty sure at this point they're not gonna tell us if they're <laughs> having the babies they're just gonna have the babies with us yeah that, that was a, that was a crazy year for things happening yeah yeah that was uh that was quite but i mean everything came together we took home the gold that year so that was good yeah absolutely and it's gotta be a
2: huge change for you just playing like the one league night i remember you were always like the most diehard bowler i knew when i was in like ybc i remember being like 16 i think you're two years older than us I was born in 85 so I think so yeah yeah so two years older yeah. so you were 18 and I, I'm pretty sure I was 16 and you had this like yeah you, you were t- talking to me on MSN messenger so that's yeah, how exactly we and, and you had a computer at the time so what is that type? yeah um and you sent me this your excel file of like all your stats for all your leagues for that year and stuff and it was like you were so into it and it was, it's
1: awesome. So uh, yeah, I kept track of all my money back then. Cause yeah, we were traveling like everywhere. There was what we'd go, Calgary, <laughs> Winnipeg, Edmonton. Then we go to KG. And, oh no. During open weekend, I would I flew out to Uxbridge for a couple of years for those right. two in Ontario played those ones. I mean, th- that was that first year. It's only an eight lane center, right? It was eight lane or ten? no, it's eight lane. I think we were playing six and five that last shift. And I mean, it took forever. But uh, I always believe that you know, like you guys always say on these podcasts, like you got to get out there, you got to play. If you're not playing, you, you, you don't get an experience. You're not going to get the talent, in the mindset, right? Like you got to get in there and you, you like, you just got to bowl the best of the best. If you're not playing this tour, I mean, you're just you're just plugging along. So I tried to play everything I could. Luckily, like. Uh, with work you know being a family my dad was always like go oh, you got to go like this is what you love and this is what you got to play and well I was lucky enough to go and play all these tournaments I had a good traveling tour with me like uh, I used to have David Sanderson and then with Aaron Arndt joining us and now that's who I always room with and stuff and it's fun it's definitely where you want to be did
3: but, you ever get to a point you're burning out playing all those events
1: um for me, not really. The travel was the hardest just scheduling it because you don't want to you want to plan everything ahead. You don't want to put them too close together. But, I mean, they always work. And you just, especially playing two leagues, like we're playing Mondays and Wednesdays. Mondays was the hardest because you're always flying home at noon and then you're going to sleep and then you're going to league that night. That was the hardest league. I mean, I've been in that league for a while now. But, yeah, you get a little tired but in the end, you know, the big tournaments are coming up. Like when Regina got on the tour there, we're like, yeah, this is the big one. Got to make sure you're going to that one. And uh, then, like, TPC now is like, you got to be there. You got to make it. You got to make it work. And, uh, yeah, you just got used to flying. We drove a lot. You drive to Winnipeg. You know, you wait till the last guy in the van was out. Then you'd hop back in the van at 9.30, 10.30, night and start driving home. You know, sleep on the side hmm. of the road where we just keep going.
2: I miss I miss the drives up to Scott Straight. Yeah, we like, go
0: yeah,
2: we stopped at Kelowna one time and there was a lot of things that happened in that one night. <laughs> <laughs> Or morning, I should say, eh,
4: hey, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I don't remember it. I might, I might have paused off the ball arrive by 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> no. wasn't, a, wasn't a good life decision.
0: Speaking of all, nice. all those tour stops and everything, it's almost like uh, the WCBT, especially with Winnipeg starting up their tournament, and there's rumors of uh, another city looking at starting a tournament. Uh, The WCBT or any other groups need to start looking at, like, a rewards program. Maybe you can do, like, hotel rewards for being at all five or six stops of the season or something like that. Uh,
1: That's got to be the hardest, right? Because, I mean, you, you join the loyalty clubs and then you go to a city where, like, you know, it works in one city but it doesn't work in the other city. Yeah. You know, like Regina is the hardest one because there's only, you know, limited hotels there and you hope it's in the, the club card, but it's hard to find like one host. You know, like with PBA used to, I think it was Motel Six. You know, <laughs> in the States, there's like a Motel Six on every corner. Yeah. And I think that uh, if we could get that, that would be great. If we could get like rates below 100, like 99 a night, that would be perfect because you're always rooming with somebody and, you know, you get a lot more people out. I mean, we're almost capacity as it is at all those events, but more people the better
0: yeah well and, and just cutting costs because it, it's expensive to play every single event having accommodations at every single event right like the the cost does add up especially if you're one of the unlucky souls to miss a few cuts in a row all of a sudden you're three yeah. four thousand dollars in the hole yeah that's a tough yeah year. try.
1: well you talk about couples in bowling try walking in the tournament you're already in for 2500 before you even throw a ball yeah it adds up real fast if one of you doesn't make the cut, so
0: Yeah, no exactly. There's gotta be some type of system where um these touring players can get a cut or something like that. Um we know like with the, the membership, the WCBT membership, they get an option to play hopefully a tournament later in the year, but unfortunately it doesn't help with the cost throughout the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it adds up real quick. I mean you go out on a an event, you play. I mean, Kerry, you know, you play three shifts, and oh, now you're playing four shifts. <laughs> you're, just, you're like, okay, when's the next event? And you're like, all right, start saving all my nickels and dimes just so I can make it. So, yeah. Well, I
0: I'm in a lucky position that I'm there to to play to win. Uh, so yeah. I'll I'll play every shift if I need to. I'm not worried about it. Um, but obviously that's not the option for a lot of people. So, um. Yeah. Some people well, got, are right. lucky enough that they have the talent that they don't need to three shift it, four shift it, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel that because I've always played this tour as getting your name on the wall. You know, I don't have one of those yet. I'm striving for it. And, you know, I, you get your name on the wall, that's all that matters. If you win some of your money back, it, you got to pay an entry fee whether you're playing the Open, you're playing Masters. It doesn't matter. If you get money back, you're happy. But you gotta take the mindset when you're going in there. It's not to win the five eight thousand dollar prize. It's it's to get your name on the wall with all those guys that you've looked up to your whole entire life, the guys that you sit around and you chat about your bowling and figure out what they think about. And that, that's how
0: I play the game. Yep. Totally agree. <laughs> I
3: think it's much more simplified if you keep it in that realm as well. I I think money is a, a huge contributing factor for the demise of a lot of bowlers, right? Especially yeah. the deeper you get in, all of a sudden now you're seeing, you know, five hundred dollars extra a match, thousand dollar extra for a match. Uh, I think it just weighs on a lot of people, and and I think that's to, you know to your point, you know, getting out there and playing all these events, uh, the more and more that that happens to you. Uh, the more and more you just kind of shrug it off and, and start looking at the, uh, not necessarily the finish line, but uh, just going deeper in the tournament, not necessarily for the money.
1: Yeah. Well, especially in the qualifying, I mean, you're, you're just thinking about making Sunday, making Sunday, making Sunday. And then when you make Sunday, if you start looking at what each match is worth, you've totally forgot why you're there. You know, you're there, you're on Sunday, you made the cut. Like there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, they, they finish on that cut or just past that cut and it's, They're not there. You're there. So don't worry about what money you're going to get. Go and win that title. Yeah.
0: There's nothing else than showing up Sunday morning and putting on your bowling shoes instead of watching. Right. Uh, Yeah. You can just feel it. The, The other 31 guys or the other 39 guys, they're in the same boat too. Right. They you get that little extra bit of adrenaline and you feel like you belong there. And that that's that's one of the things that Always, uh, I was happy about making Sunday. It was just seeing everybody else there on the Sunday, and like you said, they're all the people that you're trying to trying to be like as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and it it also saves you 150 dollars on your bar tab if you make it Sunday. So (laughs) (laughs) at
2: least, (laughs)
1: yeah,
3: absolutely. Don't worry, Carrie. You always have that Patreon money to fall back. Yeah, that,
0: uh, <laughs> that negative number still. T- tough work out there.
2: <laughs> so, Brad, we, we've talked a lot about bowling balls on this uh, podcast. Um, but you might be one of the few that have actually tried doing things with your bowling balls. Um, you notoriously had that uh, little cardboard oven box that you built uh for your to, to bake your bowling balls do you want do i
1: tell the listeners about
2: that bad boy
1: yeah that was just an old uh cardboard box with a hole cut into it to fit a blow dryer in and then i put a towel over top of it with a bowling ball on top to hold it down so it didn't float away like a like a parachute and you stick your ball on a rubber inside there and i put a ball cleaner on it and i would just heat it up to you know for 30 45 minutes bring it out clean it up it back in kind of like what 10 pin does when they try to get the oil out i had this theory for a couple years that when i was playing at chinook that you know i was getting a lot of oil on the ball and uh it worked for me that year that was i mean i averaged 216.8 i think to finish that year and uh it seemed to work there but it didn't work anywhere else uh but i i don't know i just try different things i'm always researching what 10 pinners are doing Because they got all the products, right, of course. I mean, there's lots of ball cleaners out there. I watch all the rule changes with the USB-C. I mean, they had uh, the one cleaner I was using was uh, every frame cleaner. And now apparently the new rule is you can't use it every frame. You got to wait till the league's over. So they're changing the formula. Apparently the ingredients gave some sort of effect to make them better. Um, But I always found, like, I've always been a soft roll fan. And I found using ball cleaners to clean it actually gave it that – that cover stock feeling, you know, when you pull a fresh ball, Adam wouldn't know, but a fresh ball out of a box, <laughs> uh, you're pushing it down the lanes. Cause I feel everything through my fingertips. i like Tim who pushes everything through his elbows. <laughs> and, you know, that's why I like using those different ideas to try and make yourself just to, just to give yourself a little bit of confidence when you're putting that ball down the lane, thinking it works for me. So if it works for me. Maybe it's something down the road you can invent and you can sell and, you know, make everyone else better. You know, you just want to have the best competition on the lane. And
0: yeah. make a little money at it.
1: Ah, oh, yeah. That too. <laughs> There's always that. I thought you don't condole uh, gambling on this podcast. Oh, no. That was just, <laughs> it
0: was a strictly business profit. As well oh, as okay.
1: okay. Okay. Gotcha. Did you find that when you did that, it did pull out quite a bit of oil? Um, yes and no. It's hard to tell with our balls without, you know, doing the chemical bakes like they do in 10 pin. You don't get to see it come out. Definitely it sweats. So thinking that that's the oil is what I would think it as. Um, but yeah, definitely changed it. I like to do it um, on like a, th- I did every Thursday is what I did. And just because we, you know, you fly out on a tournament on a Thursday. So I had them all fresh for the weekend, get them all nice and hot and then put the ball cleaner on. And I just felt like I had new balls. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> You know, it worked good for those two years of being back-to-back masters and yeah. gave me the confidence. And then last year, it wasn't working, so I stopped using it. And I've thrown soft rolls for, oh, I don't know now, a long time, 12, 13 years, whenever they came out. And then this year, I went to that buy and sell and bought a pair of <laughs> a Star Lines because that's all you guys talk about on this podcast. So <laughs> I just wanted something different that's not a soft roll. So I'm trying the Star Alliance this year. It's not going so well on most nights, but uh, it's a different feeling, and uh, you can definitely feel the shot. And that's what I'm I feeling it again. So now I can go back and I can make those drastic adjustments I need to make. Yeah.
3: So, so Brian, quick, quick question, I, I guess from, uh, I guess a, a beginner in just trying to understand, like when you're doing the baking process and you're trying to get that ball back to new. Uh, what is your overall goal with the ball? Is it the feel of the ball? Uh, Is there a certain reaction you're trying to get with the ball? Uh, Less Uh, of a reaction with the ball?
1: I'd say more of the feeling. Um, Like, you can feel a difference between an old bowling ball and a brand new bowling ball, right? So if you use that old bowling ball and it's just slipping out of your hand, per se, you're not feeling it anymore, I find that when I would do that, I would get that little bit of grip, especially when you're pushing three to four fingers under the ball every time, right? Just Uh to get the, not necessarily rotation, but uh, I grew up YBC, you know, there's Joe Wood always told me, make sure fingers under the ball, get that finish, right? And that's what I always focus on is make sure you can feel it. I mean, you can definitely feel when you're struggling, you're getting blisters on the wrong fingers and that's just where you aim for. And that's what I found is when you did it, you could tell the difference from when it went in and when it came out. And then when you put the ball cleaner on, how much the cover stock would feel brand new again? Mhm. Right, cool.
2: I think ultimately, when you take that oil out, though, you should you should
1: mm-hmm. technically get more of a
2: reaction out of it.
1: Well, wow. right? I-, I throw three twelve, so I'm hoping that throwing the heaviest ball gets the most reaction. So they're
2: they're five inch three three uh three eleven.
1: Yeah, well,
2: the well, star sorry, now, they're but... <laughs> they're they're three, they're three ten and three quarters. I know because I was the one that sold them to. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, you were. Shaking back.
1: Shaking back. Yep, yeah. you gotta re put that e in for me.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> when you're up in Sherwood for uh, whatever, I'll do it for you. Okay. Sounds I was gonna good. say masters, but I'm not sure on that one. Did you happen to
3: yeah. weigh those at the uh, tour championship day? Sorry. Did you happen to weigh those at the tour championship?
2: My uh, um, the those lines. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just I just know. I weighed mm. them all the time. No, they, <laughs> they d- d- the
0: WCBT only uh weighed one person's bowling balls. Mm. Okay. Well,
1: what you should what you should focus on is when he sold me the balls was the up sale that he custom ordered the color so that he could I get did. the heavier weight. Yeah. And I said I'm still only gonna pay a minimum. <laughs> They're the <laughs> ugliest color bowling balls you're ever gonna see. Yeah, well, so yeah, Starlands like, come in
2: like five in- or four and seven eighths, three eight and five inch, three eight. Um, yeah. So yeah, I did want a heavier ball at the time. And I, so I custom ordered the five inch, three ten, and they came in five inch, three ten and three quarters. So they're, they're pretty heavy. But um, that was when like custom ordering them were a reasonable rate. I think I, I think I ended up paying like a hundred, hundred dollars a ball, $110 a ball. But that's when Starlands were like $60 a ball to buy yeah so yeah but now like to buy those brand new anyways they're 100 115 120 dollars a ball so yeah, yeah. pricing has but, uh,
0: uh gone ridiculous that's for sure
2: yeah but i i remember throwing them for me they just hit like bricks like i just i threw them and i just i had so many blow throughs with them because it's just it's too heavy a ball for me yeah um, I, I don't know why but I've i found slowly I've gone lighter and lighter,
1: My- Well, I found like when we switched all these new new lane styles, right? Like these what the acrylics or whatever you want to call them, right? I find that uh, with the star lines this year, it's like bowling on old wood again. I can I can leave it outside mm-hmm. a little bit, and it's actually gonna get the reaction of old wood lanes where you would, you know, you you feel it for a couple frames, and then you know you could just be lazy, two boards over and it's going to snap in and give you a strike and that's uh that's why the star lines are working for me right now Mm -hmm.
2: yeah uh i mean again i think i've said this a few times on podcast but uh, like the soft rolls 100 percent soft rubber ball on the acrylic i've really found that an acrylic ball on the acrylic lanes seem to react way more um than, than i would have thought that that would make sense with the with the star lines over the soft rolls. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the star lines aren't 100% acrylic, but it is a, an acrylic cover stock making contact with the lanes. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that that would have that sort of reaction for you over,
1: yeah, the, with the, over the soft the rolls. Three, the 312 soft rolls, I find like the more oil, the better. Uh, if there's a ton of oil on the lane, I just find the rev rate is huge. and You don't have to worry. You just push through the oil and it just snaps it. But when there's less oil, um, like you said, it's not reacting like it should. That's why I think the star line. I'm not upselling the star line over the soft roll, but for adjustments you need to take. I mean, we all know that you know when you bowl one game, you bowl two games, you bowl three games. Sometimes you need a ball change. That's all you got to do. And it's not just for your mind. It's it's the conditions of the lanes. There's too many balls going down the lane now, right? You gotta. We're all aiming at the same spot, so it's uh, good to have different balls in your bag. Amen, brother.
2: <laughs> Take notes, Weber.
1: I agree with the theory.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the execution is difficult for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, when you throw a brick down the lane every time, uh, you don't need to, it doesn't matter what you throw right at them. What's 30-year
3: like, bricks? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I ever really do is I just kind of change my angle a little bit and, I, you know, get back to your point there, just you'll kind of allow the, the, the ball to stay a little bit further outside and just let it naturally roll in, right? You don't have to yeah. throw that many fingers. And uh, I, I'm the same way with those star lines. It uh, it just kind of slips out a little bit, but you still feel like you got lots of fingers on it, right? Lots of feel, and that's that's why I, I personally I, I have a real hard time with soft rolls because to, to me it's too much grip, and I, I tend to overthrow it, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you say overthrow. I I remember like the best advice I ever got was uh was uh, the first Uxbridge tournament in Ontario I shared a room with uh, Rob Shannis, and I was talking to him about just how good he is you know just how great he throws the ball and he told me that uh, the best thing to do is always underthrow a bowling ball never want to overthrow always underthrow hmm. and it took me a long time to realize what he's talking about but when people say don't be lazy sometimes you can be lazy and Just a little under throw the ball, just take a little off. Well, your whole mindset, and it works. And then you just get in that groove, and you just you know we watch Adam all the time. Just once he's in it, you're in it. That's where you want to be.
3: I think the different mentality for myself is, and probably a very similar kind of result is, I I tell myself just more focus on just rolling the ball, right, rather than actually throwing the ball. And I, I think that gets that little tendency to, to underthrow it a little bit more, right? Not not necessarily push it down the lane, just kind of naturally roll off your fingers.
1: Yeah, and and you know when it's a strike, right? You can feel it right away. We all know that feeling. You just got to get that feeling. That's why you got you to gotta bowl. You got to bowl these tournaments. You got to throw as many balls as you can.
3: Now, just Adam, get confidence.
1: Adam, you, you've never been one to bake
2: bowling balls, obviously, but you are a guy that's like – purchase a ton of cleaning supplies for your bowling balls,
3: right? I have over, over the years, uh, I'd say the the best thing that I ever found, uh, it's almost like little, like wet wipes type idea. Uh, they're, they're almost like a degreaser type type of thing.
2: You but, do love uh, your
3: wet wipes. Yeah, I, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> 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 but they, like, they, they're, they're almost like a degreaser. They're, uh, Um, like a a citrus-based, and they actually, like, break down the oil and, uh, you know, just kind of get that that tackiness back, Uh, just remove remove some of the oils, right?
1: Yep. Yep, totally know what you mean when you get the tacky. That's when I talk about the cover stock. You just get that feeling in your hand of where you like it and how you like it, and that's (laughs) why those products are out there. Luckily for us, we use all fingers, so those products work very well for us. You know, we're not worrying about the oil conditions and that's what they use it for. We can use different products. We just got to make sure that, you know, Dexter's rule book corner there that, you know, you're not using stuff you're not supposed to use. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Uh Man, I'm loving
3: all the previous podcast references. This is awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wilton's digging deep. Yeah. Well, you try to keep up on them, but you guys make so many, so it's it's, it's hard. Well,
2: you, Especially... you started late on them too,
1: though. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No just no, just nice to know people are listening. Yeah. Well, you guys got me into running again, just so I can have forty five minutes to listen to a podcast.
2: So <laughs> you, you had a kid, and that that got you running again. <laughs> out of the
1: house.
0: <laughs> dad bod. Yeah, dad bod. <laughs> Uh, So we'll ask you our special guest questions. I'm sure you're prepared for them since you've listened to a bunch of podcasts lately. Um, But who was your bowling mentor growing up, Brad? Uh, I had a lot.
1: I had a lot of coaches in YBC. Um, Just everyone had different impacts on me. Definitely, uh, I'll go old school and say my dad for sure. I mean, I remember I was like eight years old, never played sports. Had a lot of surgeries when I was a kid on my face and stuff for my cleft palate, and so I wasn't allowed to play anything physical. And uh, we we're we we're at work one day, and Dad's like, "I got a pre-bowl for Tuesday night, so you want to come down the lanes with me?" So we went down the lanes, and he's like, "Look, I'll show you how to do this. You take three steps, put the ball in your hand, you roll it down the lane right." And next thing I knew, I had a right corner. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty fun." Next frame, go five spare, and then get a strike. I'm like, "Ah." Oh. Dad's like, I should sign you up for that uh, YBC poster they got over there. So he got me in a bowl when I was eight, never learned, like, two-handed, went straight to one-hand, three-step. And right after that, out of the get-go, it was just, like, like every Saturday night, go throw five games. And then when I got 12, 13, started making four-steps teams, it was, let's go throw 20 games on a Saturday night. I mean, if you got global, you still throw 20 games. Yeah. It didn't matter. And then you get up to 25, 30 go on a Sunday afternoon after work and you throw 15, 20. One time my dad threw 50 and it Mm -hmm. was like, Oh, that's a lot of games in one day. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that's what it was for me. Like he just, he just taught me that it was, you just got to go out you just got to keep throwing balls. And that's the mentality I keep, right. And just go out, find it. And uh, he was only like a two twenty-five average bowler. He played the tour back in the seventies, but he just played it to go out and, you know, hang out with people. Um, then I got older and Dave Sanderson going to, I grew up bowling a paradise and then when I started playing adult league over at toppler um, Dave was huge I, that's who I started touring with was with Dave senior and Dave jr and he taught me a lot of stuff on the tour like um, the players what ha, you know what they're gonna try you know, they're gonna try mind games with you or they're gonna try pace play or what these guys are going to do. They're going to try and talk to you, you know, different things. He allowed me to go in there and practice, and he'd give you advice once in a while. And then my first team I got uh, drafted to on Monday was Harvey, and uh, he scared me. He was uh, (laughs) (laughs) being 17 years old, watching him bowl that first. I remember about the first month in, he finally took me inside and said, don't worry what I'm doing on the lane. You just do what you're doing stop listening to me yelling at myself and that he, he just taught me so much and you know I've had him coach many times now through the through masters in the open and got to play with him and yeah there's Tom Stevenson taught me a lot of mind stuff uh, back in I think 04 when he was managing Claiborne at the time he took me aside and just taught me things that I needed to focus on and he was the first guy ever to teach me drastic changes Like where most coaches in YBC just tell you, you know, get the ball out, get the ball out. I don't know how many coaches would tape paper over the foul line for me to show consistency and then show me that I couldn't get the ball out. Well, there's a reason why I veer to the left all the time is because I try to go around the towel or try and go around the paper. (laughs) I got sick of marking the same spot up over and over again. I'm like, yeah, I have consistency. If I'm consistent, why do I have to get the ball out and, I mean, that's a good drill to learn bowling. But once you learn your style, I mean, you watch some of the legends of this game, like Bruce, most animated player you're ever going to see. No one has that textbook one, two, three, except for Pizzy that you see in the catalog of bowling school, right? They, they show you. Everyone's different. Once you find your style, you find it and you just go out and you get practice. And Tom taught me that, like, if you're struggling, you, you move 10 boards to the left. Or you move 10 boards to the right. Don't be scared move up a foot move back a foot it, it, you can do it just try something if it doesn't work you can always go back to what you know yeah. go back to your basics that's that's yeah? what.
2: that's the big thing in like yeah. especially in these cash tournaments. eight games is a lot of time um you know your first couple of games you're struggling don't be afraid to make those big changes i love the big changes yep. it's uh it clears the head but it reacts differently. like different angles reacts differently with the pins you know, you might be getting blow throughs from one side, but you move over to the other, and all of a sudden those blow throughs disappear. Now you could freewheel. It, it's the, those big changes
1: are a, a real asset if you can get comfortable doing it. Well, um, and most of the time, you're hitting the same spot you're aiming at, anyways, right, consistently. But when you move, you know, four to five boards to the left, it's just your eyes. Your eyes change where the pins are, so you see other angles. And if it doesn't work, you go back to what you know and just go back to it. But it it you gotta make those changes in those eight game tournaments. Cause you know, you can struggle with like a you know a six thirty and still shoot twenty two and a half to make a cut or yep. twenty yeah. two seventy in most places
0: nowadays. But <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. Nope I agree one hundred percent. Um so your favorite tournament?
1: Favorite tournament. Oh, there's a lot of them. I, I would say Masters. I think uh, playing with the best of the best, um, going out and seeing everyone. And that's we all wear the same uniforms, right? You know, you go out there and you see the best dressed and the best players. And when you make the team, I mean, we're lucky out of Alberta. You know, when you make it, you're, you're on one of the best teams out there. And if you don't come back with a medal, you, you don't want to play next year. You know, because, you know, these guys are the guys that we tour with on the, on the you know, the WCBT and, you know, the guys you're going to play the Open with over and over again out of your city. But, I mean, like playing with Dexter, you know, this guy I always want to play with. Tim, he always seems to make singles, so it's hard to play on a team with him. You know, <laughs> and I grew up with Adam, right, playing U Challenge, and we played some Open teams together. But it's like you go out there and this is the guys you want to play with. You want to be on that team, and you want to go out there, and you know every time you go out there, it's 120% every time. There's not going to be anything going on. And I think being on the tour with Masters, I think it is – we're all such good friends, and that's what – when we, we go to Masters Nationals, our team is so good together because we play with each other on all these events. And it, it's we're lucky enough to have that. That's yeah. why I, I like Masters. Okay. I like going to – making teams hoping to go this year but see all the scores go after those two uh central ones i don't i don't know where the scores are going to be now
2: it's uh yeah it's a crapshoot now that's for sure yeah anybody can come out and have a good
1: weekend
0: yeah yeah
1: and that's and that's why in alberta like we 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 don't have a lot of centers we play masters in now but the ones we do it every year that's different you never know what the scores are going to be i remember when i wanted bonnie dune before they changed everything, when I shot like twenty three eighty, and then they changed everything the next year, and I shot twenty five ninety or something, and I, I still won back to back years, right? But it's like you just got to go out there and you got to put the scores in. It doesn't matter what you do; you got to register four scores, and they got to be the best.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: Now it'll be interesting to see what that score line drops two after uh, after red year, because I, I was truly expecting like six or seven guys to go nuts at heritage.
1: Yep, oh and, that's for sure.
3: And nobody did, because nope. unreal.
1: No, nope. no, I know I struggled there. Like you guys are talking about consistency there, and I don't know, something changed for sure. It wasn't like last year.
0: I I just truly believe like because I played there on Monday. It's just the approaches they did something. They must have either started cleaning them with a different cleaner or something drastically changed because the approaches are lightning fast again.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it's it's super interesting, but lightning fast, but but still different from, like like I said, my my heel grabs totally different there now. Yeah, it was a, it was a I just couldn't I couldn't trust it. The H five was way too
0: fast, and the H two was hammering. Yeah, just a weird combination that's going on, but yeah, everybody yeah. was playing on the same conditions, so there's no excuses, yep. right? Yeah, exactly.
1: No, we all yeah. played the same center, so that's yeah. what's nice about masters. We're all there playing eight games, whether we like it or not.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the best thing about masters, though, for us, is like I just I love the Saturday night. I know you missed it this this one, but the Saturday night of masters is hands down like my favorite part. Everybody going out for dinner, like ninety yeah. percent of us. Out for dinner together almost every time it's it's so good and that's and that's exactly it that's that's what makes us so close-knit and it's uh
1: it's awesome wouldn't change it for the world yeah like when we went in Regina I don't know how many people at that banquet came up and asked me how do you guys get that team so gelled how do you do it and I said I mean we're always together like you said Masters we'll go play our two events but Saturday night we'll we'll go have dinner together and we'll chat and have some drinks till like two, three in the morning, and then we get back up at seven to play nine. Right? It's,
0: yeah.
1: It's that's why we're we just know each other. We know we know how to feed each other. We know what to whisper in each other's ears. You know? <laughs> sweet, think, sweet nothing. Yeah,
4: exactly.
3: <laughs> so, I think it's even more impressive just the the sheer volume of, of different players that make that team every year. Yeah, it's the same kind of mental outcome, same team outcome, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've played 15 years and I've only made it four times, but it's tough. It's tough to make a team and now you got like you, Bradley and Tyler now are there and you know, we're all getting old, so you gotta make <laughs> a few more teams before another young guys come up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a toughest match or a favorite match? Toughest, what?
1: toughest and favorite. Huh. Oh. Or both. Well, it, I think it is both. Uh, I remember uh, 2012 up in uh, Lloyd Minister. I remember playing the singles. We played the 10 game before, and I was averaging like 280, qualify first. And then the rest of the weekend just stayed there, the 270 plus. Like, it was a tough center, and everyone was struggling. I'm sitting here averaging 270, like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm waiting in the step ladder, watching Derek come up. Now I'm like, oh, I gotta play Derek in the final. Okay, teammate, here we go. So I remember that first game. He spares the split, finishes uh, like 302 yep. to my 290, and I'm like, okay, I gotta be beat twice. Here we go. I can come back out. Then I shoot 303. The guy shoots like 315, 316 at me, and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> he spares the split in the first match to beat me, and now I can't beat him at all. Yeah. You know, he just threw big scores. That's gotta be my my favorite match except for like when you make your first cut, you know, those are always good. I think my, my first match was uh, uh, Len Ansteth. It was uh, Collingwood TPC. I made, uh, I finished 32nd. Then we did the stepladder and I ended up winning the consolation. I played him. And that was when uh, Dave was telling me like, this guy's going to go extremely fast. Do not play his game. <laughs> and I ended up beating them that match but it was just like you just go and play your match and yeah those are probably my most notable matches I can remember I mean I played Joe Cranet better of course at Scottsdale but yeah. yeah just going out there and playing these tournaments all the big matches you can play like playing you guys all the time so playing different guys is fun
2: Yeah.
1: fun fact about Len Anseth is he doesn't
2: like it when people play his game <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't yeah. like it when somebody plays as fast as he does. It gets too fast for him. Yeah, it he gets do. too fast. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, and seeing I,
2: the. Sort of i the sweat beat off his bald head there.
3: <laughs> I remember that provincial's Brad. You were on absolute fire, and nobody else had a clue. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Got it, it Our our team was absolutely garbage, but you played phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I I I remember looking back at the stats of it, and I was like, I have no clue what I did different, but I remember it being super heavy, and I like it when it's really heavy because then I can slow right down. You can just plow into it and just focus on where your arm is. You're not waiting for that extra little slide, right? You're just you know it's gonna. It's like playing masters in the summer, right? You know it's gonna be heavy no matter where you go, so you you play better in the summer because it's the conditions. (coughs)
0: That, that was the same year a few few of the central guys almost gone into fisticuffs on the lanes. <laughs> it was rough out there. He, nobody yeah. was happy. Everybody was grumpy. Was, if I remember correctly,
3: there, there was no oil on the lanes, so it kind of reminded me of Grand Prairie a few years back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it,
3: well, and, I if played if good in Grand
1: Prairie. You, you yeah. did play All-Star. Well, if, I,
3: if I remember correctly, you just kind of had that. You were coming up from the left-hand side, and you just let that probably super heavy ball just run straight down the lane. Everybody that else was, was playing break and couldn't
1: control it. That was the first year I had the soft rolls. The three twelves. was yeah. that was twenty twelve. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Be kind of neat to go back and see what the stats were on that provincials and see what everybody else was playing. So I, I remember it too. It was it was tough. That was uh, I think the year Terriel was on the team. He won Central provincials and. I know he he had a rough go, or no, I think he was the coach. Uh, he was the coach. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a rough That's, year, man. Like almost the same thing. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think.
4: Yeah,
0: go ahead, Tim. I
4: think I think that was the second last year Lawrence played because he I think he finished up after Madison Hat the following year. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that.
0: It's funny you remember stuff like that, but you don't remember a lot of other stuff.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that correct.
0: Tim, so tell us, uh, you were telling me before the podcast, Tim finally made a change. Let us know. Let us know what Tim's drastic change of play was.
4: Don't uh, don't let Dexter fool you by his judgment on me, but I, uh, I've i been fighting a lot at Shore Park on approaches, and I'm kind of... Not I don't know I'm just I will adjust anywhere else when it comes to heels and sliders and uh, finally decided to drop down a slider um, from a, from a six to a four and I almost shot a thousand last night so yeah don't uh, don't be bullheaded on adjustments there
0: that's all <laughs> I have to say congratulations Tim I thought I'd get you to have a few words in here yeah I, that, I've
4: been uh, I've been Been trying to be pretty quiet because I obviously have to owe an apology to uh, Stacy for last week about the oil, but uh, I choose not to apologize, just like Conor McGregor would do. So, uh, sorry, (laughs) Stacy, I still love you, but uh, no apology needed.
2: I'd like to take this moment (laughs) to
4: apologize to absolutely (laughs) no one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, so, Brad, back to the questions. <laughs> uh, you've told us what your bowling ball arsenal is, but uh, what bowling shoes do you use? Uh,
1: I actually, I used the... I busted out the Dynaroos in about 2006, and then I won my first Masters tournament in Frasier, and I wore those all the way up until 2018, and oh, I switched geez. the slider and the heel over to... I made a custom pair of Nike shoes... And uh, just, we played Masters in Regina, and after all those days standing on my feet, you know, you just get a sore back. So I thought, you know what, it's time to pick a shoe up, and I just happened to have a gift card, so I went and got a <laughs> pair of Nike shoes and just slapped some Velcro on it and just switched the Dynaroo slider and heel over the exact same one I've been using since 2006. So I don't really change my heel in my slider. I just uh, use some sandpaper, get off all that goop off the heel, and
0: just keep going with it I, I just like changing the balls that's all and you've stuck to that same pair of shoes for the last two years
1: yeah yeah nice. I'm thinking about making another pair actually just a little more comfort you know get some with a little bit more cushion it's just the body wears on you when you're in those big events and you know you're standing around for hours at a time I just think that's what bowling shoes are lacking when you're just flat on the ground right Yeah. sure you can feel what you're doing with your feet but when you go to wake up the next morning, your back's killing you.
0: Well, especially a lot of these centers now, they're going to the laminate flooring and the hardwood flooring, so you don't get yep. to stand on carpet anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely doesn't are, are remember. You sure,
2: are you sure your back is hurting from that or is it from where you're sleeping? Because you've slept in some really uh, <laughs> tough, you know, <laughs> not know exactly comfortable situations, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying, it could it could be
1: the, uh, the bed. Yeah, that that could be it too. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely uh, been some fun places after a a few nights and some few Baker's teams, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, the good times.
1: The good times, yeah, before a wife and a kid. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's hope Kelsey doesn't listen because could
2: be a job for that.
0: Uh, so what's left on your bucket list besides obviously a Wcbt title?
1: Yeah, uh, making that fifth Masters National, getting that plaque. I know making it out of Alberta is the goal. And yeah. if you can make it once, you want to make it five times, you want to make it ten times. But like I said, uh, the competition just gets harder and harder every year. Scores are getting up there. and Yeah, you never know when you're going to make a team. You know, like Schultz said, he, he made all those teams and, I was lucky to be on a couple of them with them, and yeah, you just want to, I just want to make another Masters, yeah. and then go on from there, I'm luckily, I'm, I'm not playing the Open this year, just uh, family stuff, we got a lot of, we got another vacation coming up, so uh, yeah, focusing on Masters, and like you said, get my name on a wall on a tour event, that would be, uh, that would be awesome, yeah. I like seeing those goofy PowerPoint photos in Regina every year, <laughs> yeah. and hoping my face <laughs> is on there one day.
0: <laughs> they're so bad uh i hear you on the masters i'm stuck at four too so maybe one time we'll make a team together
1: maybe yeah that would be good we haven't played
0: maybe not this year maybe next year
1: (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah
4: i
3: think i'm on four as well
0: me too me too
2: wow i have the most out of everybody on this podcast
0: Does that surprise you? You...
2: It actually, honestly, (laughs) yes,
0: it actually does. You're probably the guy that throws the most strikes out of everybody on this podcast. You just can't pick a corner spare. If you could, man, Dexter, (laughs) you would be unreal.
2: I pick corner spares just fine in tournaments for the most part.
1: (laughs) Except when you call them out on it. I (laughs) just want to know the years you didn't make it, Dexter, was that when you were losing weight? Like, was it before and after? So, I made, or... I made uh, 13, 15,
2: 17, 18, 19. Oh. So, uh, 13 was Fat Dexter. Yeah. Uh, 14 was... Fat Dexter. Skinny. No, no. 14. Because no. I, started, I started dieting and going to the gym uh, 13 just before Masters Nationals. So, I was trying not to even drink at Masters Nationals in Calgary. Um, and then 14 was Skinny Dexter. Didn't make it then. You were was fifteen. Uh, but then fifteen was Hamilton?
4: Yeah, you you didn't make Winnipeg. You were in Yeah, 15.
2: so yeah, so fourteen I didn't make it. Fifteen was uh Winnipeg and that's when I started like getting muscle. Didn't make it at sixteen and then seventeen was like bit like like muscular Dexter and then eighteen was like okay Dexter and then nineteen was fat Dexter. So
4: <laughs> kind, of, kind of all sorts of things. <laughs> and and everybody wants to know Dexter's back at the gym, so uh, yeah, so this for,
2: might be my last year for masters for a while.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and and, and s- Saturday nights, you will eat in the parking lot and meet us in there after he has his one. No, the I'm old sure. parking
1: lot eating the, the old salad <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. That's a lot of judgment from a guy who's never picked up a weight in his life. <laughs> Besides picking up weight on his, you know,
0: stomach. <laughs> <laughs> or salad.
4: Well, I eat salad. Oh
0: man. So I guess another topic I have for you, Brad, um, you've been a long time supporter of the WCBT, you and your company, AMB express, and it's much appreciated, obviously. Um, what do you feel the WCBT or five pin universe or any of these other, uh, startups going on can do to help improve the sport along with the C five, the masters, the bowling federation?
1: Uh, honestly, just to see what you guys are doing. I remember when we discussed the concept like 10 years ago, we're all just sitting around thinking we need a tour. Like this has got to be a tour and the tour is definitely gone in the right direction. Um, definitely even get some sponsors. I mean, we talked about the money, you know, getting the prize money up for people or even just like we talk about the airlines trying to get us cheaper airlines. I know a lot of airlines are only out of certain cities now, so that helps out factors but i think we just need to get the word out if there's anybody out there that uh you know has a company that is looking for the numbers like dexter's got all that information i mean tpc like the numbers that went through that little tiny town you know you think about where we spent food and where we lodged and just what went through their center those numbers are what those companies look for and we just need to need people to get the word out it's not just the people on the committee i think it's the it's the whole environment all the friends everyone's got a family member that's got someone working at somewhere
0: yeah.
1: and yeah. you know i like sponsoring the tour because i didn't have like with work i didn't have a chance to coach and stuff i only had coach for a couple of years and that's the only way i can give back to the tour is just helping you guys with financial support yeah. and yeah i just want to see it get bigger and better
0: yeah, and, that, and that's one of the things like uh, with the WCBT and even 5 Pin Universe lately, we just, we want people, our audience, to help push on social media. If you can share a post, it reaches friends that you have that these other people don't have, right? You got to expand the circle. Um, if, it's the, if it's the same group sharing all the time, it, it'll never pick up traction. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly.
2: Six degrees of separation, right?
0: realistically of, it
1: shouldn't be that hard for us to reach the world well and a lot of it is too just asking you know just going and saying hey i got i'm a bowler i'm proud of it this yeah. is what we do we need a sponsor and a lot of it is just people going out and asking that's all it is they can say no anyone yep. can mm-hmm. say no
0: oh exactly
4: uh our uh, chamber of commerce didn't actually until we got uh, that award in october um as much as we published ISTPC, uh, we're still working on the, the grant that they have available. We haven't heard back on that. But uh, our, our community didn't even know how much people we had in there. And then all of a sudden they came in and they saw the amount of people and then they saw how much revenue because they asked around at the hotels and even Airbnbs or whatever else like that. And uh, I, I'm hoping next year they're talking about maybe helping us out on our end with growing uh, yeah. the sport on our end because they want television coverage there and all this other stuff. So any little bit counts, but uh, it's funny as much as we publish size things, I think we're out in our bowling community or even we even try the papers and it depends on how media and stuff like that. But uh, it's good to get that kind of stuff going too. Just yeah. backhandedly, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I do I do have a, a quick mention here as well. I noted uh, besides the apology I didn't give um, was uh, with Dexter, Real Book Corner. I, I want to just make everybody notice and understand uh, Dexter is finally taking his tournament officials clinic uh, this upcoming Friday at Bonnie Doon. And uh, I want to congratulate him. He'll be officially understanding the Real Book even better by the time next podcast comes around. Yeah, certified.
0: Uh,
2: certified. Yeah. P- pretty pretty excited about that. Uh. <laughs> you, you found it. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is like a good thing for Ernie, like running this course or not that I'm going to be there because. Well, I remember. I remember. There's there was the one time. And er, like, I, I was talking to Ernie and I'm like, Ernie, you know, you have your rule about you know, the three balls on the rack. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you, you're only allowed two, or you're only allowed two balls in the rack. And then some people put out three threes I was like, yeah. and it says you can only have two balls within the playing area. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, technically our ball returns overhang the back off the approach by three balls. So those three balls technically don't count. They're not in the playing area and he's <laughs> and he's like you know what you're being and I'm like a jackass he's, he's like yes but I'm like but I'm not wrong he's like you're, you're not wrong but you're being a jackass <laughs> so so we'll see we'll see how this goes for on yeah, Friday it should be pro-
4: interesting he does listen to podcasts so he'll probably bring that up to you yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> no, it, it'll, it'll be interesting
2: I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it it'll be it'll be yeah
4: That'll be good.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Just keep the rule book away from me. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I wanna get like
2: seventeen copies so I can throw them at you.
3: <laughs> One per ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should be an okay game, seventeen balls. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so anybody – well, I guess Brad's not excited because he's going on vacation, but uh, the Open's not too long away. Everybody prepared for your uh, trials or? No. (laughs) We just
2: had our Pro Challenge this weekend. Pro Challenge, uh, for those of you who don't know what this tournament is, uh, you have uh, three YBC kids – it's eight teams, uh, three YBC kids per team um, generally graduating out of the YBC program um in in uh Edmonton area in the next two to three years um and then you have one pro uh put onto each team and then you have a legend coaching team so four player teams and we were in Fort Saskatchewan this weekend and I started out with a buck 54 and a buck 89 I shot uh but then I did shoot at like 311 and and 290 or something to finish mm-hmm. but uh yeah i shot 920 and like honestly out of the pros i was only like 30 pins away from from like catching them. it was it was tough conditions but can i say i'm ready probably not am i gonna throw some practice probably not <laughs>
0: uh who is the team that won the pro challenge this weekend
2: uh we don't talk about them
0: katie's team we don't, we don't uh, so. just, wow we don't <laughs> <laughs> talk about apparently, them. Apparently <laughs> we do we
4: I, ha- I have like, to. I have to. It's my job. So yeah, Katie Rayner's team beat Dexter. So dude, could you Dexter's... could
3: could you imagine those YBC kids on your team, decks After the first two, like, like, like who oh, is this, this chump? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: pretty well. <laughs> and, I, I, I and then and then yeah. I spent my entire time trash talking. It was really good being 120 <laughs> pins below my average <laughs> after game
4: one. Top notch. <laughs> I, uh, nobody's played for Saskatchewan before, so it was, uh, quite the experience for everybody, I think, so, except for the kids who played out there, so, yeah, the pros struggled a little bit, it was pretty good. I think, I don't think the highest pro was 960 for four, Hmm. so it it wasn't spectacular, by any means.
3: Still absolutely love the concept, though.
2: Oh, it's fun, It's, it's a really fun tournament, um, my team wasn't super social, uh, but, um, I think I think it's great for the kids to be around the pros. I think it's great for the kids to see that the pros aren't super serious because there was a lot of trash talk and a, a lot of jocularity between people and a lot of picking on some people. and It was it was a really good time. It was it was pretty hilarious. So I think that's that's probably the most important part out of all of it for me, is that you, the kids get to see that we're all approachable and we're all just people,
4: just like them
0: keep them interacted and hopefully join the ranks right when they're out. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. We, we found uh, a lot of the kids, other than if it's school or work that's getting away, they, they continue. Uh, and actually a little bit better. We also, not just with the five pin events or masters, but uh, uh, the tour events, they got a ton of Edmonton locals. The kids are trying to play the tour. So um, partially because they can recognize that they know Adams, they know even you carry, they know decks. Um, so they feel comfortable. I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I came back from Grand Prairie Bold and this one girl, Madison, she didn't say boo, didn't say anything mean to anybody. And she was just ripping me apart on Sunday night. And I was like, can you just go away? No, Dexter taught me
0: this. I was like, it's (laughs) it's been two years,
2: two years of the works. And I finally broke her and now she trash talks. I love it.
4: I was like, thanks. Thanks. I was like, so obviously it's a good thing. They're, they feel welcome. And, uh, I hope other places can think of something similar to it. I know, uh, I think, uh, down in St. Fort, uh, sorry, St. John Newfoundland does something similar to that. And I think it's a good thing. Well, it's nice to give some of the pros
3: a, a, an opportunity to give back to the game a little bit as well. Right. Yeah. I, I know we've, we've had a few comments see even our way just, you know, asking to how, how do the pros kind of promote or, or better the game and, this is one of the the opportunities right you know at some of the tour events we have the uh the seminars and all that stuff and it's just all, all these little things that that are, are big you know cumulative that that really drives sports in, in the, the local region so hope, hopefully yeah. it continues and uh hope, hopefully some of these uh, younger youth bowlers uh continue in the game maybe make it um, on tour
0: yeah like uh obviously WCBT has been pushing the, the pro clinics and stuff like that. A lot of people got to realize too, like they're so-called pros, but really they're just people putting up their own money, trying to win a, a little bit extra cash on the side, trying to win a title. And for them to give some of their, their free time to that aspect is a huge portion. Um, and it would be nice if, it was reciprocated like some of the audience would come out and support the pros when they're playing as well right uh reciprocation is a huge thing um we can't ask all the best players always to donate their time for free to all this stuff when it's not being reciprocated right so um it goes both ways and i hope the pros are doing their part and there will be definitely more in the future if if the things continue to grow right mm-hmm
3: yeah, not not free in a monetary way either, right? That, that's not what you're meaning. But uh, um, you know, to, to have just just that support system, mm-hmm. right? You push that back and get that support system back, and yep. it's uh, it's pretty incredible to to have supporters out there while while you're playing some of these things.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh, I I know you guys have played a few Friday mornings, but when there's absolutely no audience in there, it's uh, like carrying pins and needles drop. Especially in the first like four games out of a, of a qualifying, it's like being at a masters.
1: For, yeah, no, for sure it
0: is. Thoughts. It is. Yeah. Yeah. The excitement comes later on Saturday when everybody's pushing to make the cut and uh, some people and know and some they're people out of have had some. <laughs> and some people have had some beverages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely gets louder at that point. So if some of the audience are fans of the game and they don't participate in the events but they want to come watch, definitely Um, later on Saturdays. If you want to see some unreal bowling and some uh, broken hearts and some elation, that's definitely the time to be there. Mm -hmm. Anybody got one last topic? Hey, Brad, if
3: you had to challenge one player across Canada, five-game match, who would it be?
1: Uh, What are we playing for?
3: Whatever
1: you want. Whatever we want. We're playing a thousand bucks a game.
3: Yeah. It could be pride. Right.
1: Pride. There's one guy I've never played a match against and we're really good friends. And, but you had to pick one of those teams where you want a guy on your team. It's Mitch. I want, I'd love to play Mitch Davies any day. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I played Adam. I played league against you tons of times. I know you own my record. I've never beat you in league play, but, uh, Mitch Davies for sure. It's the guy I'd want to play hands down anytime, any day, for anything. Mm-hmm. D- didn't you play against him in the Invitational one year? No, no. I think uh, I played Matt Eisenhower one year. I can't remember who else I played, but uh, yeah, he's just—he's a guy that you know he's gonna give you hundred and thirty percent every time, and <sighs> yeah, he's—he's he's just I, that good. I don't know. I don't know, Brad, because, he, I mean, kicked, Rylan
4: kicked his ass pretty good there about so long ago. I don't <laughs> okay. know if it's worth your time.
0: Uh, no, <laughs> no, I faced him. It's, uh, it's a guaranteed $1,000. Of course you pick Mitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Faced faced him in the pins game last, or not last year, the year before at the WCBT. And uh, I 10 owed would him. And uh, he just I just remember him handing me a sheet being like, you had this in. I'm too embarrassed to do it. <laughs>
4: well, <laughs> Mitch would be a good one for sure. Yeah, M- Mitch, yeah, Mitch would be a guy for sure. That's good.
3: The uh, question was for the guests. <laughs> <laughs> That's <a great> one. <laughs>
2: I'm not a guest. Carrie's the host. I'm, I'm still a guest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're just a regular guest. But you yeah. can't, can't get the lead. You're leave. almost
4: certified. Honestly, I don't know who I would play for a thousand bucks or a match if I wanted to play one. I don't know if it would would be somebody that.
0: It's good I didn't ask you.
4: (laughs) Well, it must be tax season.
0: All right, guys. We're going to wrap this one up. (laughs) End it on a high note. All right, Brad, thank you very much for coming on. Um, Obviously. Thanks, Brad. we probably won't see you before you're on your vacation, so we'll see you in Regina. Regina, yeah, we'll see you guys there, and thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah, it's happening Thanks for buying a new phone. Yeah,
1: thanks. <laughs> <laughs>